Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 244. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, it is rainy and gross out here in D.C., which uh, reflects the state of affairs for the Knicks, possibly. So, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, I'm not going to do the whole Patreon thing because we have limited time today. So we have a Patreon. Subscribe to it or go fuck yourself. Uh, that is my Patreon read for today. Uh, check it out. Uh, all right. Let's just get started. Um, the Knicks are 5-6. and six. They lost probably one of the worst, most miserable games I've watched this team play. I don't know. I, I mean, I think this was as bad as any loss from last season for sure. Probably worse than any loss the year before. So, yeah, I mean, this this was one of the worst losses of the Tom Thibodeau, Leon Rose era. I don't know. You can go a lot of ways with this. Um, so I'll just let you go. Have at it. Yeah, so I didn't even watch the whole thing live. I watched the first, like, half, and that was it because I was waiting to meet up with a buddy, and he was at a bar that didn't have TVs, so I was at a sports bar just watching by myself. Solo Dolo, very disgusted. Um, there was a lot of things to be disgusted about. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to subject myself to the second half of this shit. Um, live, anyway. So I didn't watch the second half live. I'm, I'm told... I mean, I saw when I rewatched that there was some, some positive stuff in the second half. But generally, it's just... Uh, I don't know. It's a lot of... It was definitely like a what do you call it? Like a perfect storm of like things that we expect to go bad. Like we expect Julius to get into pissing matches and prioritize that versus the play of the actual team and doing what Tibbs says. We expect Tibbs to not hold him accountable for that. Right. We expect, um, you know, sometimes guys will go, through slumps in terms of their shooting or whatever, and sometimes that carries over into their defense. But that doesn't, I don't know, like, it, it's particularly annoying for Julius, for me, because I do think he's shooting much better, and I do like his his overall season in terms of where he's taking shots. It's just he's foregoing everything else so like that small silver lining in the large scheme of things doesn't really mean anything anymore because if you're not gonna defend and if you're not gonna move the ball um like Tibbs wants you to then you're not going to contribute to winning which is why a lot of his advanced metrics you know pick your stat are, are really poor despite his um counting stats and even percentages being okay um and it's you know, and re- later I found out that, like, he was mic'd up and you seen KD chirping on him. I was watching at a bar, so I wasn't, like, super locked in. But, like, they were going back and forth. And K- KD had successfully baited Julius into playing mano-e-mano. 
Superstar Ball. The difference is Julius was cosplaying, and KD is the genuine article. And that's why KD is able to balance, like, oh, Cam, good contest. It doesn't matter. I'm KD. I'm still splashing this on you. With also, I'm KD. You're double teaming me. I'm hitting my open shooters. There's no Kyrie here. It's not my turn to your turn. This is just simple basketball from the Nets and from KD. Meanwhile, Julius, who doesn't know how to be the genuine article, is trying to do my, like, mano y mano shit without like hitting open shooters and it causes other guys to get out of rhythm and then on top of that this was probably the first game that we've truly see Jalen Brunson not solve a problem right where he's like trying to find answers within this weird flow of the game and unable to like the shots aren't dropping the lanes aren't quite clear the playmaking suffered the defense wasn't like you know, he's never a amazing defender, but usually you can count on certain things from him. And even that really wasn't there. So it it was really a weird, just perfect storm. And I suspect the game versus Detroit will be very different. But um, it it just put the fan base in a weird place for a team that's record-wise about where we want it to be, right? And that juxtaposition is just just kind of odd. Um, Randall, so the good news is, that, here's the good news. The good news is the Knicks are 5.6 per 100%, per 100 possessions better offensively with them on the floor this year, which is good. That's genuinely good. The bad news is the Knicks are minus 17.4 worse Points per 100 possessions worse with him on the floor defensively. If you go through and look just at opponent offensive rating when players are on the floor, he is the worst on the team of in terms of actual rotation players. I am not counting Jericho Sims, who has played like 50 minutes or something this year. 55 minutes. Hasn't been great. Could be better, obviously. I think will get better as he gets up to speed. But... Also, he's not going to be in the rotation, so I don't really care. He is wor- he has the worst of everybody in the team. Now, look, these are still somewhat small samples. Things can fluctuate. It's not a great sign. Not a great sign, especially because it builds off of exactly what we saw last year. Um, I don't think it's hard. I don't think it's wrong to say that he is nuking the team's defense. I think he's been one of the worst defenders on the team this year. And this is oh, why, yeah. Oh, yeah. at the start of the year, when people were like, oh, his process is better. Oh, he's smiling. Oh, he's trying. Like, I don't care. I don't care. Like, he's he's not doing anything different. He's just making shots. And all this, like, okay, he's taking, he's making, he's making more shots, and he's taking shots from better locations. That's I not, to, that, the problem is that wasn't everything. That wasn't the entirety of why he sucked last year it wasn't that was a part of it but it wasn't all of it (laughs) right and and this is why i said throughout the start of the season the bar for him is absolutely fucking dog shit right now it was so low oh he's smiling oh he's trying on defense look look, he ran up the floor oh wow he died i wish he was trying on defense still (laughs) i i just i wish he just would go away that's what i wish i wish that i could snap thanos snap my fingers and this fucking loser would be out of here but he's not that's not gonna happen so the reality is we've got to deal with this situation. And we are again, we are now in year three, year four of RJ and Randall together, year three under Tibbs, of this does not work. It does not work. 
And all the Knicks have done for three fucking years with this front office is, okay, our, like Randall has his all-NBA year. We need to figure out how to put more weapons around him. Okay, year two. Okay, the things we did didn't work. They, they've never considered, like, maybe this just doesn't work because it doesn't work together collectively. And, like, if you, if you go just take a look at Randall's shot locations, okay, versus R.J. Barrett's shot locations. Just a little exercise, okay? Let's do this. This is all on basketball reference. Yes, I know that their numbers are different than NBA.com. I don't care. Shut up. We're just going to do this real quick. Okay. Julius Randall. 31.7% of his shots this year, 0 to 3 feet. 17.7% of his shots, 3 to 10 feet. 37.8% of his shots from 3-point range. Okay, pretty nice split. Makes sense, whatever. R.J. Barrett, 30.9% of his shots, 0 to 3 feet. 27.1% of his shots from 3 to 10 feet. 34.3% of his shots from 3. Forget the 3-point shooting, because that's like it's fine if everybody shoots a lot of 3s. You can't have these two guys playing with each other. I'm sorry, it's just not going to work. Especially not if you're going to put them with fives who don't do anything on offense other than run to the rim. Okay? It's not going to work. This isn't like rocket science. It just isn't. And on top of that, okay, the front office rightfully added a piece like Jalen Brunson. Good piece. Good player. Has delivered, I think, definitely on relative to expectations and contract and all that good stuff. Okay? We don't need to overthink it. He had a terrible game against Brooklyn. I'm not that worried about him in any capacity. This is Jalen Brunson splits. 20.1% of his shots through him. 32.9% of his shots from 3 to 10 feet. Like, these are three... This was my entire point this offseason. These three guys are not going to work together. And the people that are like, oh, well, aren't you pissed? Like, they, this is why they should have traded for Donovan Mitchell. Why do you think this would be any better with Donovan Mitchell? Like, yes, Donovan Mitchell can pull up, shoot. He's a nuclear shooter, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great, fantastic. He's still a guy that needs his, the ball in his hands to get value. And the fundamental reality of the situation is these three guys are all three guys who need the ball to get a lot of value offensively. That's fine. That's how the NBA works. That's how stars work. Reverbial stars, star scorers, however you want to, whatever bucket you want to put these guys in, I don't really care. The point is, Leading offensive options need to have the ball to have value. Again, that is fine. When their games overlap to this degree, when all three of them want to get to the same places, and one of them, I don't care what Julius Randle shoots from three, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, literally, watch the Nets. The Nets' entire game plan was just, let's bait Julius Randle into taking a bunch of shots. Get It worked, by the way. Just want everybody to know it worked. Um, I'm happy Julius had a nice individual scoring game, but as per usual, when Julius Randle scores well, it does absolutely nothing to elevate the collective performance of those around him because he is a gluttonous, disgusting player who does nothing to help anybody around him. Um, it, this this was never going to work. Adding Donovan Mitchell with R.J. Barrett in the mix, without R.J. Barrett in the mix, because R.J. Barrett would have been included, included in the deal, it was never going to work. It was not going to work because... Randall does not work. He doesn't work. If you're going to use him, you have to change his role. You have to change. You what... have to be strict about it, and that's that's the thing. Like, there's a like he's shooting now, and if you ask me, like Julian, or <laughs> we can edit that or whatever. But if you ask me, uh, like, do I think Randall's going to shoot well from three the rest of the year? I'll say yeah, but we need. Oh, 
it's it's not just about the shooting like you said it's about time of possession and quick actions and things like that and you can there are going to be times where it would still be useful for him to to score and to be more on ball as opposed to more off ball and the same with RJ but like you need to be explicit about that right now this is like it's been hinted at in several interviews with different players but I don't think Tibbs has any control of any of the players right now I don't think so they're not We've seen guys change their roles entirely within how many games have we played? Eleven? Uh yeah. yes. Yeah. It we've seen like part of that is lineup changes and Tibbs experimenting more, but not most of it. Like it is unusual for a team that has this much uh, like theoretical continuity. We've seen Julius play two or three different roles. We've seen RJ play one role that he's not happy with and try to make up for that. We've seen Jalen tried to be the point guard, but and around those three, the roles are not consistent. We've seen like iHeart do be like playmaking hub. We've seen iHeart been pick and pop guy. We've seen him not be playmaking hub. We've seen uh you know Cam go from maybe he's not gonna be on the team to three and D guy. And we've seen Fournier go from starting tire fire to bench tire fire. Um we've seen quickly go from first point guard off the bench to shooting guard off the bench and him try to navigate that. And to me, that tells me that Tibbs hasn't articulated who has to do what. And if he has, they don't give a shit because whatever he, they're tuning him out. And then him changing the lineups on top of that probably makes it, it's good for him to experiment because that's all he's done is not do that. But in terms of buy-in, if you're going to experiment, you have to be explicit. And he just—I don't think he—we've seen the quote. I don't from think Rose. he's having like—I don't think he's having conversations with people. D Rose said it yesterday. Like, yeah, he said he basically is in the dark, doesn't really know, and he's—and the thing is, he was saying it like, I don't need—I'm not going to go ask Tibbs what my role is, but which is fine. Like, he doesn't need to. And he, he was wasn't. To, yeah, he wasn't he was, crapping he was, on on no. Tibbs. He's just—he was just stating that like I'm here to be the good soldier. I don't know what I have to do on a given night. That's okay. Tibbs has other stuff to worry about. And in making that innocuous comment, he revealed that Tibbs is not communicating role to roles. And if he's not communicating role to roles, who the fuck else is he going to not communicate to? Everyone. There's there's also, like, there's plenty of stuff here. I I think we're in the end game with Tibbs. Uh, I think we're looking at, like, 25, 30 games before he gets canned. Um, There's been a bunch of other stuff that's, like, kind of flown under the radar because that's just how shit works. But, like... We had Obi get into it with Rick Brunson. I don't think that's personally a big deal, by the way. But, like, okay, that's one thing that occurred. Okay, and he played better after that. They won the game. Great. That's one thing that happened. We have Evan Fournier. People kind of miss this, but they asked, he got asked about, like, moving to the bench. And, like, he said something like, it's not, Tibbs doesn't need to explain anything to me, which echoes the same sentiments. Like, Tibbs doesn't need to explain anything. But Tibbs is not explaining. (laughs) Yeah, Tibbs doesn't need to explain anything to me. I'm I'm a player. I just have to go out and ask what I'm being told to do, which is fine. But that what it's saying is he's not explaining anything to me. He's just telling me what I what he wants me to do in a given moment, situation, game, whatever. And I'm just supposed to go out and do it. He I don't think he was necessarily crapping on Tibbs, but I don't think he was necessarily he wasn't giving him cover. I'll put it that way. We have the fact that Quickly's agent handler, whatever was all up on Twitter, like, quoting Benji Ritholtz in the comments he made about how ridiculous some of the usage of OB and Quickly has been throughout their careers. Not a great look. I think I think it's obvious Quickly doesn't know what the hell he's being asked to do at this point in time. His role has changed multiple times this season. He was a first guard off the bench, point guard. Now he's asked to be purely a, a two-combo guard. 
with Rose and Brunson doing virtually all the point guard duties. He's not shooting well. Um, you know, you can I, if you want to just not if you want to divorce coaching and all that stuff from that entirely, that's fine. The fact of the matter is, to me, he looks like a confused player. I think you see it every time he tries to do something off the dribble, create off the dribble. He looks very confused. He looks very apprehensive. Um, I think that you have seen it with R.J. Barrett at times this year, where he is unsure of like, and it's RJ. yeah, and it's manifested in some of the worst, disgusting habits of his, which we have criticized him for, um, and rightfully, you know, like that. At some point, like yes, coaching can play into this stuff, but you have to take ownership of the stuff as a player. So we've criticized him for that, but like, you, there are these signs of players and things leaking that don't it, speak to people being on the same page and and speaks to confusion over what am I being asked to do and what is expected of me game to game, minute by minute, quarter by quarter, whatever the case may be. Uh, and that's not great. That's not really I think, where you want to I think be. when people when people normally invoke like, oh, the player, the, the coach has lost the players, it's usually like Nash Nets type stuff, right? Where it's like, it's it's literally just like, ah, whatever. Like there's a level of, like I'm sure they all respect Nash, the basketball icon and all that, but like it's not like in like in this situation, you can tell all of the guys have respect for Tibbs, the person, the basketball person. But in terms of like acknowledgement of what he's doing, there's a whole lot of like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I Tibbs, you're my guy, but like, I don't know. Even Evan talk literally talking about his record breaking year last year was like, yeah, I've never played that role before, um, but you know, I guess it worked. Like it. <laughs> The guy broke the New York Knicks record for three-pointers, and he, he basically gave, like, a three-star review to that game plan <laughs> if this was a Yelp restaurant review or something like that. And we've seen it, right? Because you know how he did in Orlando and Boston and FIBA was an entirely different role, and the Knicks role was the outlier. And is he cooked? Yes. This is probably the only role he's suited for right now, but that I'm just citing that as, a, as, a, as another data point. And I, I really, truly think, like, when they inevitably can him, I, I agree with you. I think you're looking at third of the season or so quarter of the season and it's not going to be a i don't think you'll hear a single bad word i think it'll be like it all just these ran, guys it ran its course it ran, it ran its, its, its course it ran its course and it this is actually less of a um probably less of a adversarial exit compared to his previous two right even though we know he has differences with guys in this front office like just compared to the previous two like this is less adversarial, even though he was like shitting on players all of last year through the public. And now, now it's just like you, like it's finally seeping into like the X's and O's. It's like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And with, I think another big part of it that's underrated is, is Obi playing spectacularly. I think, I mean, he played spectacularly last year, but now it's like back of the basketball card spectacular, right? Like the three point percentage is a top of the Knicks. It's forty percent. Like it's very obvious he can shoot that thing. He does dunks, like silly shit like that that even a six year old fan can see. Like, oh, he hits threes and makes dunks, and the other teams call timeouts. Like, all of a sudden, like it, it seemed it's, it was really silly to us that you know, like we had to point to like on off stats and other shit last last year, but now it's like even the most horse blinder fan or media person can can see like this is untenable and he doesn't know what he's doing and while it's it's really funny like 
to a lot of us when he's doing lineup experimentation we're like oh finally some new lineups right like some small ball ob at the three like weird shit but like this is not this is experimentation from desperation on on his behalf it's not experimentation because he wants to see what the best outcomes he can draw out of this deep roster is and that's really different and that's important to note like we're all happy because the bar is low right like oh we're getting some fucking ob julius minutes the bar is that low that like how we got there doesn't really matter but you're seeing a couple of people like i think tyrese tweet about it like oh tibbs is coaching for his life lol but like i suspect you'll see that actually echoed in like beat writer stuff in the weeks to come because like the only other time we've seen him do this was when he switched the starting lineup versus the Hawks in the playoffs where he was literally, that's the only other time where he was literally like back against the wall coaching for his life. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, th- there's also one thing, uh, this actually, I'm surprised nobody saw this during the game. Um, I'll have to check it out and uh, maybe I'll see if I can find footage of it. But during the uh, fourth quarter, so there were two things, right? He takes Julius out with four minutes left in the third quarter. Julius is coming off the sideline, coming off the sideline. He's obviously not happy about coming out of the game. And Tibbs is like kind of like talking to him, trying to like make it smooth it over. Um, which like, look, I actually thought that was a situation. Like that, we'll talk, we'll, we'll get back to Randall. Berman but, said that Tibbs didn't know how to connect to Randall. Let's also not forget that. Yeah, well, look, let's just. Also say that fuck Julius Randall. I don't care if anybody connects to him. I'm just saying, um, like from the Tibbs perspective, I, like... I know, and you're right. <laughs> but like my perspective is like, I hope nobody <laughs> connects with Julius Randall. Um, but like, there was also a moment. So he took out Hartenstein with 8:43 left in the fourth quarter for Jalen Brunson. If you go watch that back, Hartenstein was pissed when he came out of the game. He was really pissed when he came out of the game. I think Randall may have talked to him when he was walking off. Maybe it was Tibbs. I don't think it was Tibbs. I don't remember who, but I just remember somebody was had to like talk to him and was like calming him down because he was really pissed. Um, and like the thing is, look, yeah, you if it's one guy, if it's two guys, you can maybe be like that are pissed about coming out of a game or express confusion over their role. Maybe you put that more on them. But when you have all these little incidents of like little bust ups, little flare ups. Somebody, you know, somebody's agent saying something on Twitter and this guy, you know, express it like it speaks to a bigger problem. And look, I'm happy Tibbs has experimented. I think he deserves credit for that to an extent. We, we talked about that a bunch on our pod uh, that we did that Monday pod that actually dropped on Wednesday. We talked a lot about like, you know, he deserves credit for that stuff. And I do think he deserves credit for it. But like, I also think the fact of the matter is aside from lineups and rotations, there's not much experimentation going on. You're not seeing much schematically that's different. I mean, one of the things that stood out to me very glaringly is Fournier, Cam, Grimes, all three of these guys have had starts as like that as the, the second other guy. yeah, the other wing in the in the starting lineup. All of them have barely touched the ball in that role. And like that's not to say all like everybody needs to touch like that's fine, but they're all very different players. Like, Fournier is not Grimes, who is not Cam. But you're using all of them in the same way in that lineup. And, like, that to me either speaks to you don't have a clear idea of what you want, or you do and you just don't care 
what a player's skill set is. You're expecting it's the latter. To We've seen right. that shit with their def- with Tim's defensive scheming, right. right? Like when he puts Julius and Drop all the time, right? And and it's so not, it's it's literally like I think people who mostly watch the Knicks are and then occasionally watch a game on ESPN don't understand like that is not normal. Twenty eight out of thirty teams, if not twenty nine out of thirty teams, will say, "Oh, like you, we have a center who's a small ball center who can't protect the rim." Then I will simply have him not focus on protecting the rim. Like <laughs> this is modern basketball. Um, yeah, and, and and like that's that's like all it is. Like I, I don't, I actually look. I appreciate that Tibbs has tried to do yes. stuff this year, but like at the end of the day. Go watch an offense like Utah's right now, okay? This is a team that obviously had a major trade this offseason, two major trades this offseason. And we could have hired Will Hardy. Like, I know, like, this isn't, like, a 50-50 hindsight thing. Like, that could have been the coach of the Knicks. The front office chose Tibbs, which has its benefits. One coach of the year, buy-in, blah, 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 all that shit. But if I give them credit for that, I'm going to give them credit for not hiring the fucking genius kid over there who's killing it. Yeah, and like look, he's early in his career, maybe I'm he sure flames his yeah. steam, right. Yeah, like, like who knows? How this stuff, games, whatever. Yeah, this it, it all this stuff is very variable. But the point I bring that up is like go look at the offense they're running. They don't have a star. They don't they like, don't have a star. They don't they don't have a star. Am, they don't have you, you wound me, Schwill. No, they don't we're not no, we're not doing this <laughs> right now. They don't have a star. They don't have some elite <laughs> top 20 player. They don't have an all-NBA guy. They probably don't have anybody that's going to make an all-star team this year. Uh, I think Mike Conley has never made an all-star team, so I'm pretty sure they have nobody on that team that has made an all-star Mike team. Mike Conley is definitely one of the like NBA trivia, like, best players and never make an all-star. Like, he's yeah, one of those maybe, guys. <laughs> maybe Rudy Gay probably made an all-star team, but I'm not going to count him. Uh, but the point is, like, this is not some star-studded roster, and what you're seeing is they, and look, look mind you, they've had one training camp together, of, and this is a team, as we mentioned, like underwent severe overhaul this offseason, right? Everybody, including us, basically everybody in the world other than like James Boo, thought this team was going to be absolute, an absolute tire fire. And they have been frisky on defense, but offensively, they're running all this kind of motion. There's so many sets. Like, there's they all kind the of, floor. yeah, there's, there's all kinds of player and ball movement and all these things. And it's like they're using. All, they're, they're doing all of these things. And my point is that, like, with Tibbs, the sum of his creativity is is this. This is this is it. Like, you're not going to get much more. You're not going to come in and all of a sudden see some offense that is, like, flowing and everybody touches the ball and there's all these off-ball actions and decoy actions. And, like, it's just not going to ever work like that. And that doesn't – it doesn't need to be that. It doesn't need to be that. But – you need more than what he's showing. And, and, and like, this is why I, I wanted I, one of my things for like, if he is going to come back, the Knicks need to get him an offensive coordinator type. Like, this is why I said that because I did not think he did came anywhere close to maximizing the talent on the roster last year. I think he's absolutely not coming close to maximizing the, the offensive talent at the very least of this roster this year. And, the bigger thing to bring it back to Julius is if you're going to, if you can't trade Julius because it's just too hard, it's too expensive, it's blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. I can accept that. What I cannot accept is willfully going into a season with the knowledge that 
Julius is going to be, he's going to basically be your number one option, at the very least be the number two option. And in that capacity, because it's a Tibbs team, that means he is going to be on the ball, self-creating shots from the perimeter a bunch. I cannot accept that. I think that is nonsense from the front office. And I think, and I put that on the front office more than the coach because we know Tibbs. This was what Tibbs was going to do. I don't blame him. I can't blame him for being who he is. That's what he is. This is who he is. This is on the front office. They've created the situation. They need to get out of the situation. They need to get a coach who's going to look at Julius Randle and be like, look, you do XYZ things well. You do ABC terribly. You are no longer doing ABC. You're doing XYZ. If you cannot get with that, then then you can sit on the bench behind OB and give us 15 minutes a night. If that's what it takes. It's but super, like, it's super, it's not even like, some people are going to hear that and being like, oh, like they're not going to bring a coach in to tell Julius that he sucks. But it's not even about that. It's about literally like, say it's Johnny Bryant. It could be whoever. But say it's Johnny Bryant. Johnny Bryant says like, hey, our offense is going to be different. This is how I think we're going to win. We're going to win by doing X, Y, Z. Everybody's going to have to sacrifice. Julius, you're going to have to sacrifice. This is it. And it's going to take some time, but we're going to get used to it. And then Julius decides, hey, in this particular part of the game, in the second quarter or the first quarter, I'm not going to sacrifice. Then Johnny Bryant has to have the backing to say, okay, like this is not how we're going to win. Obi's going to go in now. Um, you're going to come back in? Then you have to do what we need to do to win. You have to execute this game plan. You have to execute your role. And you do that, you're not insulting the player because it's a question of winning. And there's countless examples of that shit that you can point to, right? Like, sure, nobody else on the team is an all-star, but like, look, it's like, look, look at the uh, look at the Jazz. Look at all these fucking teams that we play. Look at the Celtics who are, like, any team that share, all these teams share the ball. It's common. Like, you can still get up a lot of shots. That's the real, that's the stupidest part about this whole thing with Julius is like, nobody's saying you have to shoot 10 shots a game. It's just a matter of like you're, you you're have to trust the ball. T- you have to trust the ball is going to come back to you because if you buy in, yes, then other guys will buy. In. Like, and this is this is the thing. The stupidest thing about like this is the last thing I'll say real quick. Yeah. Like schematically about like getting a schematically getting, schematically getting some team buy in. You you mentioned people don't respect Julius's jumper, right? Like, if I'm Johnny Bryant and it's fucking three months from now, I'm like, yo, they're not respecting your jumper. So keep cashing that shit until they do. Take. 15 fucking three-pointers. Grant Williams can shoot 15 threes. You can fucking shoot 15 threes and shoot better than Grant Williams. He's shooting 50% because teams don't give a shit about Grant Williams. Like, it's not saying, hey, you be Grant Williams, but it's like, yo, like, you want to prove you're the man, you can shoot. Shoot that shit. Like, actually do it. And make it a challenge, right? Like, there's other ways to get buy-in without denigrating somebody. And Tibbs is such a fucking boomer that he's all he views it as is like he's already created this dichotomy of like on ball is worth and off ball is not the people who are off ball are either young or clearly role players that's it and even in the case of rj like your usage is reduced and you're basically a star but i don't care like you're young you're 22 like so whatever so you can't and this gets to what you were saying about utah like Utah has guys, they're not all-stars, but they have guys who can fucking get busy on the ball. Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Laurie Markkinen, like these are guys who can handle the rock and create off the dribble, but they don't always have to. And the whole point is they trust the process that they're going to have some chances to do that, and they're going to have some times where they just got to put them up. 
and uh, I think another thing too, just the Lori, just on the Lori part. Like, I don't think Bickerstaff gets enough credit for just being like, yeah, oh, fuck yeah. it, we're going to play him at the three. Oh, yeah. And because he played him at the three and that team had success with him, I think it's easier now for a guy like Will Hardy. Like, yes. who knows, right? Like, who knows if Lori Markkinen, his move after Chicago is to go to a team, let's say he came to New York for whatever reason, Tim's ain't using him at the three. No. Tim's would be no. like, you're a four. And, and I think, like, really, uh, what, one of the interesting things with Markkinen, and I hope that, like, more coaches look at him and, and look at their own guys and maybe try and experiment more. Look at Orlando, right? They are an example of this. Mm. Where it's just like, like maybe this guy isn't a four. And like maybe he mm-hmm. is a three. I don't know. Like, I don't know. That's going to try. Anyway, before we continue. I, I mean, we saw the lineup with Julius and Obi, and I, I joked about it on Twitter, but I wasn't really joking. Like, I think Obi and Julius can play the three on offense. No, yeah. They, they, Obi definitely can. I don't know about Julius, but Obi definitely can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Before Julius can if he wants, but he doesn't want. <laughs> Before we continue, NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started. And so are the incredible offers of DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame, pre-game money line bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, make any $5 bet this week, and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, no, I wanted to bring it back to Julius because one of one of the things that a lot of people have been like, oh, you're just blaming Julius. Like, he's not the only one that played bad. Everybody played bad, blah, blah, blah. You're a comic. You're, you're a fan of comics, right? You're a comic guy. Me, yeah. What What did... What did Peter Parker's uncle tell him? Uh, with great power comes great responsibility. So shut the fuck up that my <laughs> expectations of Julius Randle are higher than other people. I'm sorry. You want to fawn over this guy? You want to make him the franchise player? You want him to be, to be the top option? That's the expectation. The expectation isn't just, oh, well, Julius shot well. He shot well. It's not his fault. You're supposed to lift other guys around you. That's the job. People are people literally don't know ball. Like it's it, it's succeed, like to this season, this particular Julius conundrum has I I forgot because honestly, like for all the chaos of Nick's Twitter, there's a lot. We'll, we'll have disagreements with different people, but there's a lot of people who mostly understand beyond the back of the basketball card and beyond like I've only paid pickup and my shot looks disgusting and I don't give effort on defense. Like I'm a super casual. Like literally. The I the con the peop the the number of people who are just like this guy and I guess this is the converse of what we saw last year with quickly, right? Like this guy is putting up twenty and eight or nine and whatever and his field goal percentage is solid and he's hitting threes. Other people do not have solid percentages. Therefore they didn't come to play. Like I don't know how many of you people who do that play pickup ball, but if you do and you come in with that attitude about Julius, I don't want to play versus you. I want to play against you because that means you don't know how to fucking win. That means you know how to shoot, but you've probably never played winning basketball. 
on an organized level or a pickup basketball level, you've probably never won four in a row because anybody fucking knows that if you're the talented guy like Julius is and you spend the whole game chucking and not playing defense and you lose and you don't adjust, guess what? You're not that fucking talented. And it's it's like again, like I, I it's a it was a very cheesy way to make the point, but it is true. If you are if I'm giving you okay, you're the number one guy, you're the number two guy, okay? Not only are you expected to deliver on your own production, but you're supposed to amp you're supposed to make the game easier for others. You're supposed to open up opportunities for others. You're supposed to create for others. You're supposed to play defense. Yeah. And and don't don't give me Julius's empty fucking assist numbers. Get the fuck out of here. His assist numbers aren't even good. That's the thing. That's yeah. the wildest thing about this. Like people tell me now, like, well, like some people are like, well, Jalen's not like running. Yo, literally the only like one of the few things you could statistically hang your hat on last year was like, oh, Julius got a lot of assists. His assist to turnover ratio is equal. It's and, one and, to one. And it's fifteen percent to fifteen percent. And this this speaks to this speaks to the, his assists were inflated by the amount of usage he was getting last year, which is not as much. It was. It's more, much more. He was much more central to the offense than he was this year. And right. yes, Jalen's addition has helped that to a degree, but it's revealed the, same, the emptiness of that, right? And 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 to to bring it to another point is that like again, when Jalen Brunson plays well, is he the greatest playmaker in the world? No. Is he like? Some superstar who just as he's commanding so much attention that other guys now are getting absolute wide open threes and all this shit. No, he's not. Okay, but he helps put guys in better positions. Just a very basic level, not some high end superstar stuff. He helps put guys in better positions, get the, gets them some better shots. I think if you look at, I, if you just look at RJ and Randall's shot quality and shot distribution, it speaks to that. Okay, and he and he doesn't make mistakes. Right. So so like okay. Very basic stuff. He's done that. R.J. Barrett. If you want to criticize R.J. Barrett because he is not delivering, creating at the expectations that maybe we should have from him at this point in his career, that's fine. That is fine. If you want to do that, go for it. It is fair. All I would say is I think there's a vast difference between Julius Randle doesn't go quarters or stretches of any at any time he's on the floor where he's not touching the ball, where he's not on the ball, where he's not getting the ball. There are stretches in every single game where R.J. Barrett is just spacing the floor. That's it. He's just spacing the floor. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, you can just look at the raw numbers and be like, well, R.J.'s got the most shots on the team. He's got the third highest usage. He's... They're not telling you the whole story. Watch the fucking game, man. I'm, and this isn't to say RJ hasn't had stretches where he's played poorly. I spent like the first two, like the first week of the season killing RJ for his play. You know, I did think he was playing poorly. I didn't think he was competing defensively. I didn't think he was making good decisions when he drove the ball. But he has been making much better decisions when he gets on the ball now. He has been playing better defense. Not lockdown defense, better defense. Okay. He has picked it up. Should he, does he need to get better? Does he need to pick it up more? Does he need, sh- yes, he does. That's the expectation, right? The expectation is RJ Barrett, 22 year old player, is not a finished product. He is going to improve. He is going to take further steps in his career. That's the expectation. Julius Randle is a ninth year vet. He is in his ninth year in the NBA. And do you know what he plays like? He plays like a third year player who has a bunch of talent and has no fucking idea of how to maximize it. It's not good enough. It is not good enough. He is 
an immature, imbecilic player who is susceptible to to easy like mental mind tricks being played by the other team. We saw against against the know, way Brooklyn I, that we yeah. saw, we talked about. Hold on, yeah, yeah. you talked about it against what we saw against Brooklyn. You are not. Going anywhere with this guy? It, he is a shittier version of Cat. Okay, if you trade Julius Randle, I promise you this: he might go on to be a good player somewhere else. I think there's a decent chance that happens. He might be a productive player somewhere else. He might help that team. You are never going to trade this guy away and be like, because we traded Julius Randle away, that is why this franchise is stuck in XYZ position that it's stuck in. It's never going to happen. He is not that type of player. He's not that type of talent. He has never been that impactful. He will never be that impactful. He had one year in a COVID bubble with no crowds that, as we go along, looks increasingly like an outlier. And that's okay. It happens. The front office fucked up. They overreacted to that. They gave him a contract they probably shouldn't have given him. The people that didn't want to give him that contract, pat yourself on the back. The people like me, punch yourself in the face, um, that, that wanted to give him the contract, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's over. Try, keep continuously trying to put pieces around him to make him the better, like a better version of what he was that year, that year is the That's most... A non-starter. Mis- That's a non-starter. It's, 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 a, it's the most misguided, mm-hmm. continuous thing that this front office keeps trying to do. They've got to cut this shit out. And what they're doing by... by by continuously doing to do this, choosing to do this, they are hurting themselves because they've invested a combined whatever it is, two hundred and ten million dollars over the next four or five years in Brunson and RJ Barrett. Brunson's gonna get his whatever. RJ and RJ's never you're never going to we're not going to see what does RJ look like as the second option next to a quality lead guard like Brunson with a floor that is more open with players that are not dominating the ball as much as him and Brunson are. I don't think that team, all cards on the table, I don't think that team is necessarily some world leader, but you know what you're going to do? You're going to find out a lot more about R.J. Barrett. And that is a lot more important to your team than trying to like make Julius some winning version of himself. I'd actually uh, go one step further and say, I think R.J. Barrett would be much better in the Julius role than Julius is. As the clear 1A, 1B, 